With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Browns Titans post-game edition, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We are sitting uh, in the press box here at Cleveland Browns Stadium. We just watched the Browns beat the Titans 27-3. to The Browns are now 2-1 and one on the season, a historic defensive day for the Browns. There's a whole lot to get into, so we're going to do this the way we've been doing these post-game shows. Uh, we'll each do kind of one big takeaway from the game. We'll offer up our final thoughts, and we... We will call it a podcast. So let's get to it. Mary Kay, what is your big takeaway from today? You know, my big takeaway is something that I just got done writing about a little bit ago. And it really is the way that Deshaun Watson came out and rebounded from that dog of a game that he had on Monday Night Football against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He spent a full week of taking so much of a beating by local media, national media. They called him broken. I heard two local media members call him broken. And then um, nationally, he was written off as finished by a number of people. And everyone lumped this season together with the six games that he played last season and sort of concluded that Deshaun Watson was finished, kaput. It's over. Week two, he's done. And, you know, I just kept on thinking, and I tried to write it this way during the week. Look, this is a brand new offense. It's an overhauled offense. Most of these guys didn't even practice in training camp. Marquise didn't. Harrison Bryan didn't. Jerome Ford didn't. They just lost Nick Chubb. They've lost Jack Conklin. You might call all of that excuses, but I call it reality and facts. Things don't necessarily look perfect in week one or week two of the season when you have all of those things conspiring against you, including, uh, like I mentioned, a completely brand new overhauled offense with Kevin trying to figure out how to call it and Deshaun figuring out how to execute it. And of course, the first game was the rain game against the Bengals and nobody played well in that game. So it was a gross overreaction in my opinion. And now today, I think we must guard against overreacting to this performance, too, and putting Deshaun in the Hall of Fame, right? (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I kind of view this as like the big sigh of relief game. Like, if Deshaun would have come out and gotten strip-sacked three times, and Mm -hmm. honestly, he didn't look great. I'm just looking through the first quarter here. I mean, he wasn't great in the first quarter. I actually think he got going after that really weird play when he threw it back to Elijah Moore. Just one of the... uh, Honestly, just one of the dumbest plays I've seen, and I think that kind of woke him up a little bit, made him realize, like, I got to get get stuff together here. Um, but 
Yeah, I, I think you're right, Mary Kay. This was a a great performance or a, a good performance. It kind of puts some things to bed, at least for now. But just like we probably shouldn't have overreacted to Pittsburgh, we shouldn't overreact the other way, swing it all the way back after this game. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair, right? Like, I think it's it's kind of like the cliche that you're never as bad as like your worst performance and you're never as good as your best performance. And I think like, ideally today isn't like the best of Deshaun Watson, right? But I think what was the difference between Monday night in Pittsburgh and today is the fact that he at least for the most part took care of the football. They had what, one turnover in this game or one giveaway in this game. Um, so I think that was like the key difference because if the offense had just held on to the football in Pittsburgh, they would have won that game too. But I think like what's promising and like the steps forward was like to see him and Amari Cooper like get on the same page again for that big touchdown at the end. And, you know, like looking, I wrote the Amari story after the game, like this was his second best game in his time in Cleveland statistically, which is kind of crazy to think about. Like he's only had a handful of hundred yard receiving games. You know, he battled injury for the last part of last season. He's been dealing with some nagging things in the beginning of this season, the groin injury. Like, those things to me are promising, but yeah, I mean, I think there's still, like, a ways to go, obviously, for this thing to get get the full picture of it, really. Yeah, so other than that first drive in the first quarter, which was just, I don't know what Kevin Stefanski got into this week, but he was just throwing everything out there on that first drive. Reverses and and arounds, and I, I joked on Twitter after that 42 Browns players touched the ball in that opening drive over the course of, of what ended up in a field goal. But second quarter, Deshaun has that play where he's getting sacked, throws it backwards to Elijah Moore. It sets up a second and 26. And Mary Kay, that's where things really could have gone sideways for Deshaun. Like, he makes that play, starts to get going a little bit on Twitter. People are tweeting at the video. That drive could have stalled. The game was tied at three. So then they turn around in two plays, and the next play, in fact, they take a shot for Cooper. They get a penalty. And then eventually that drive ends up. Uh, he finds Elijah Moore for nine yards and then um, Jerome Ford for 19 yards and a wide-open touchdown, a great route by Jerome Ford. That's where things kind of started to turn, and I think that's interesting because, like I said, that's – I don't know that the Browns were going to lose this game with the way that defense was playing. But offensively – it could have really turned into a slog if that second and 26 and that play sort of ended up defining the first half and it, and it ends up kind of just being a footnote. Yeah, it did end up being a footnote. And you're right. People were ready to ridicule Deshaun and write him off. And I do think that especially uh, nationally and on social media, he takes more of a beating for things like that in part because of his off the field issues. People do not want to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I think a lot of people want to see him fail, especially nationally. Um, so I, I think he has that working against him. And that's just going to be part of his story for, you know, most of his career. But I thought, um, you know, that that was a perfect example of how he shook off some adversity and he came back and he threw a really nice touchdown pass on that, on that drive. And, and, you know, that's what you want to do. You want to play with poise and composure. You don't want to lose your cool. In Pittsburgh, he did lose his cool. And I even wrote about that a little bit before the game today. I kept meaning to do a column over the past few days, but it just was such a crazy week. Um, 
but in Pittsburgh, he did lose his poise. He lost his cool. He got face mask penalties. Uh, he committed an unsportsmanlike conduct act that cost him a, a fine on Saturday. Uh, he turned the ball over twice on, on fumbles. I'm not going to give him necessarily the interception uh, because I thought that might have been Harrison Bryant's fault more so than anything. Uh, but he just did not play a poised, collected game. And, you know, it looked like, uh-oh, is it going to go that way again today? And it didn't. Uh, he pulled it together after that. And not only that, uh, he took a forearm to the throat on that drive, too. Got walked off to the sidelines by the medical staff. And we were all, like, looking. You know, they put up the medical <laughs> tent. And we were all like, oh, is he in there? No, he was back out on the field. Yeah. They had binoculars on the medical tent for, like, people who listen. Like, we have our binoculars since we're so far away. And, like, I do really try to watch the tent as soon as it goes up to see who goes in, when they come out. And I'm, like, sitting there watching the tent. And I think Mary Kay's like, oh, he's back in. And I'm like, all right, then. I guess we're rolling. Yeah. You didn't miss a play. And yeah, because I thought, oh, he's going to have to miss a play because the training yeah. staff started to come out. But he must, somehow they was, must have waved him off and, and made it so that they didn't have to, to take him out for a snap. But yeah, he stayed stayed in there. Yeah, I thought that showed a lot of toughness uh, that he was able to take that, you know, that shot to the throat, basically, because, you know, he lost his breath for a minute, you know, mm-hmm. and you would think that you might want to compose yourself. Or you would also think uh, that perhaps the medical staff would want to take a closer look when you get that close to the head. Sometimes they just want to make sure that you're absolutely okay from a you know from a head injury standpoint uh, but Amari Cooper we asked him about that after the game about Deshaun's toughness and he said you know I've seen him take uh, some of the biggest hits ever at Clemson and uh, I know all about his toughness and those two guys are really starting uh, to develop their chemistry now we must say this this was not the best pass defense <laughs> in the NFL and but here's the thing but you need a confidence booster game sometimes. And that's what this was. You know what? Go out and take advantage of a weak pass defense when you can get it. It's nice work if you can get it. So go out and do what you can do against an inferior pass defense. And, you know, when there are times when your receivers are going to get beat up and covered and doubled and all those kinds of things, you know, then you'll have some confidence for those times. Well, and this goes off topic a little bit. Just look around the league today and look what some good teams did against overmatched opponents. Look what Miami did, uh, Kansas City against Chicago. I mean, very good teams just beat up on bad opponents today. And the Browns did that and then some. I'm sure we're going to get to the defense here at at some point as well and and the performance they had. Uh, But it, it just felt like, I don't know. I'm curious to see some of the advanced stats as they come out, some of the depth of target stuff and things like that. But it did feel to me, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on this, like early in the game, it felt like Deshaun was willing to take some of the smaller stuff, some of the just kind of take those profits early. And then it started to kind of expand a little bit deeper and deeper. I thought that too. And like even just watching how much they were using Jerome Ford early and, and, you know, putting Kareem Hunt in early, he was in on the first drive. Like, it did definitely feel like some of those shorter plays, but then also like on the scripted stuff, they got into some of the trick plays too. So I definitely felt like that. And then as the game went on, like I think you saw that deep field confidence kind of develop. Yeah. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's move on to big thing number two. Ashley, what do you have? Speaking of the defense, Dan, I think that's where I want to go because, you know, the first two weeks of the season, like we've talked about how good they are, but each week we kind of see them go out there and perform the way they are. I think they have pretty much solved the issues that plagued this defense last year. And I know that's a big statement for this early in the season, but really like we're not seeing any of those problems so far. We're not seeing communication breakdowns in the secondary. We're not seeing them get absolutely run over because I mean, if they were prone to that, I think we would have saw it this game, but I think Jim Schwartz figured out a way to stop it. And then they've just filled the holes on this team with their offseason roster building and the, different guys they brought in, like Dalvin Tomlinson, Shelby Harris, Sidarius Smith, Obo Karanquo, Juan Thornhill. Like, these were huge assets, I think, ultimately. And it's been really cool to, you know, they, they talk about Jim wanting them to lead the league in intangibles like swag and badassery are the two that get brought up a lot. And I, I asked a bunch of defensive players about that today and, like, what that means to them. And Like, you get the feeling, I think, sometimes when teams talk like this, that it can be fake or, like, it's almost player speak, coach speak. Like, kind of got that feeling a lot last year when they were talking about the positive vibes early in camp. But I'm, like, buying in that these guys really believe what they are saying, and you're seeing it translate on the field. Six total first downs. The Titans were 2 of 12 on third down. 94 total yards, 2.1 yards per play. And, of course, the the big thing, Mary Kay, was just the pressure on Ryan Tannehill. And, Ashley, you and I both watched that Titans game last week, and I think we both said, like, this defense is going to just break Ryan Tannehill in half because he's just completely unaware of the pass rush sometimes. And today, I'm sure he was aware of the pass rush, but he certainly couldn't get away from it, Mary Kay. Three and a half sacks for Miles Garrett. Five total for the Browns on the day. And Zadarius Smith, by the way, he got real close to one, and he was a little upset, I think, that he didn't get to finish it. He threw his towel on the ground. But just, I mean, I don't know how we're going to continue to describe this defense over the next set. How many games are left there? 14 games, plus probably the playoffs if this defense really is this good, and I think they are. I don't know how many superlatives we're going to have to to use on this defense week after week. It's been incredible. It really has been incredible. Uh, In addition to all the statistics that you rattled off, in these three games, I think it it has been two, four, and two uh, third down conversions. So I think they've only allowed... it's like something like a total of eight by now, I think. I know, I know it was two of 15 for the Bengals. I don't remember what it was against the Steelers. I think it was, it was four of 14. Yeah, four of 14. So, yeah. I mean, they've allowed eight third down conversions, and they were number one in the NFL in that category heading into this game. So, beware on third down because they're going to stop you, basically. And when I think ahead to this Baltimore game, I know Lamar is really good. Uh, I know that they have a lot of talent on that football team, but coming into this particular house where the Browns 
have now outscored their two opponents this season 51-6. to I think it's going to be really, really hard for anyone to try to move the ball on this defense. I mean, somebody's probably going to figure it out. Now that they've got some film, they'll try to identify some weaknesses or whatever. But they're really strong against the run. They're really strong against the pass. Uh, they get all kinds of pressure up the middle from the outside. Uh, it, it's just a dominant defense. I honestly think this is the best defense I've ever covered for the Cleveland Browns. It's got. I mean, I. It's got to be up there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Juan Thornhill. I talked to him before week one, and he said he they want to be like the best defense ever. And I kind of yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. It's preseason talk. This is best defense ever. This is like 2000 Baltimore Ravens, 1985 Chicago Bears type stuff. Now, again, we'll temper that. It's three games, and you've got to – those teams won Super Bowls. But, I mean, this is the type of air they're getting into if they can play like this all season. Yeah, just real quick, I just want to throw out there that, I mean, we we can temper it a little bit by the fact that the first game – was, you know, it was a rainy game and Joe Burrow was coming off of a calf injury. Then you go to the second game and you've got, you know, Kenny Pickett and an offense that, you know, they didn't have their number one receiver in Deontay Johnson and they're not very good uh, really running the ball anymore, or at least right now they're not. And then this is not a juggernaut in the NFL. So it's not like they've gone out and, you know, they beat the Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. So, you know, we need to see them play against the best of the best before we start to send, you know, this into 1985 Bears <laughs> territory. But for the most part, it, it looks like this is going to be sustainable. Right, and we aren't going to see that till the playoffs because they don't yeah. play any of those teams this year. I mean, right. yeah, you're right. I want to make it clear. I'm not saying they're the 2000 Ravens or the 85 Bears or whoever. I'm not saying that's who they are. What I'm saying is what we've seen in these first three, three games if it continues, that's you start to get mentioned with those teams. That's just how good this defense has been. Um, but Ashley, when I mean, when you're watching this game, you just, I didn't know how the Titans were going to do anything. Honestly, I'm just watching this game. I didn't either. I mean, the way the Browns were like stacking the box and throwing everybody up, like they were setting the edge. The Titans kind of had to try to run the ball up the middle when Derrick Henry was going to run, and it's like his worst performance in Cleveland since he's been a starter, and he's only gone up against the Browns, you know, four times in his career before today. But still, I mean, I think like thinking back to last year, this team probably, I think from what we saw last year, would have maybe gotten run over and exposed in that way against this same Titans team. Like, I mean, it's basically what the Falcons did to them last year. We remember how that game ended. So I think it's just really encouraging, and again, to just think about how many new guys are on this D-line. Like, it just has totally changed, and it happened, like, kind of gradually but the interior D-line, the only guy back is Jordan Elliott. And, like, it's totally different when you have a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson in there as opposed to, like, piecemealing it together like they were last year with Taven Bryan and I don't even remember who else. Jordan, it was Jordan Elliott. And, but there was there were other guys yeah, who were no, gone um, now, and now I can't even yeah. remember because it was that bad. Like, it was that forgettable. Um, so I think it's just watching that. Like, I cannot take my eyes off that defensive front when they are out there. Like, sometimes it's hard for me to even watch the secondary because I'm like, how are this many guys getting up there to the quarterback? Like, it's kind of crazy at times. Yeah, like Denzel Ward had a really good game today, yeah. but who noticed? Because we were watching the line. Let's let's say nice things about Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. We've 
We've said things that not, we haven't been mean to Miles Garrett, but we have said in the past that we think there's another gear for Miles mm-hmm. to get to and another level for him to get to. So there's two two moments I want to point out in this game. It's after the Elijah Moore fumble, which was the only way that Tennessee was going to score on short field. So they take over at the Browns' 17-yard line. Miles mm-hmm. Garrett immediately gets a run stuff on Derrick Henry and then a strip sack on Ryan Tannehill that the Browns probably should have recovered. Titans in third and 17, they have to settle for a field goal. End of the half, the Titans are trying to double dip. They're down 13-3. to three. They were going to get the ball to start the second half. Uh, this was partially on my guy Mike Vrabel. This hurts a little bit. They didn't manage the clock well. 13 seconds left. It's third and, a ten, third and 10 from the Browns, 11. They could not take a sack in that situation. They had no timeouts left. Miles Garrett sacks Ryan Tannehill. Clock hits zero. No double dip opportunity for the Titans. Those, I mean, again, no, this wasn't the Chiefs. This wasn't Josh Allen. But those are the moments, Mary Kay, where you know, a player like Miles Garrett changes an outcome of a game. Because if the Titans turn that fumble into a touchdown, or if they do figure out how to double dip around halftime, and all of a sudden it's 13 to 13 or 13 to 9, it's a different football game. Yeah, he was dominant today. He was dominant. He tore apart uh, Andre Dillard, or is that Andre's first name? Dillard's first name, I think it is. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he, he just ate him alive, that he had no answer for Miles Garrett. I mean, this was a game where you would have needed to uh, double and triple Miles to keep him from having that monster game. I'm surprised he didn't, you know, tie his sack record, his individual sack record of four and a half. What he did do was, uh, you know, he really caught back up in the NFL Defensive Player of the Year race. When he came into this game, he only had one sack through two games. People were running the quick game on them, and they could not get to the quarterback. But today, he was all over the place. He was playing with his hair on fire. He gets up for these home games uh, like nobody's business. And, uh, and and he was just unstoppable and unblockable today. And now he's got four and a half sacks. Again, heading in, he was tied with dozens and dozens and dozens of other edge rushers for 35th in the NFL with only one sack. Now he's got four and a half, and the leaders were at four heading into this game. So he's right up there now. Uh, it almost looked like, T.J. Watt was going to be running away with it. It looked like, you know, some other guys, Micah Parsons, you know, might start to run away with it a little bit if Miles didn't start to get on track. And now uh, he's going to be really, really rejuvenated by this performance, of course, because it came in a victory, too, which for him is the most important thing. Um, But, you know, so I think for him individually to be having success is always a good thing for Miles. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Okay, my thing is going to be Amari Cooper. I know we've talked a little bit about him, but let's just spend more time on Amari Cooper here before we get to uh, before we get to our final thoughts. 
Seven catches, 116 yards, a touchdown, had a touchdown taken away when he didn't step out of bounds, but they called him out of bounds. Uh, weird, just a weird moment. Uh, but anyway, again, another one of those things. It's a footnote on this game because the Browns rolled. Amari Cooper reminds us some Sundays like just how good he is, and he's not this outspoken, dynamic, like dancing in the end zone, you know, celebrating everything wide receiver. And I think because of that, he flies under the radar a little bit. Also, uh, because, you know, he's, he's with the Browns now, and he, they didn't have a bunch of success last year. But, um, you know, Mary Kay, you had mentioned it. It seems like Deshaun and Amari are really kind of putting it together out there. And I'm just two games in a row here, and really even going back to the Cincinnati game too, Amari just keeps making catches that I'm just in awe of. I mean, he just makes it look so easy. Yeah, you know, we always talk about his route running, and last year he kept on trying to say, yeah, but I also make the contested catch too. You know, like, can you pay a little bit of attention and give me a little bit of love for that? And he really does. I mean, he snatches that ball away from defenders. He is really, really good at his job. My goodness, when you watch a four-time pro bowler play football, you know, it just hits differently. It really does. And Amari's just really, really good at his job. And they are developing the same kind of chemistry that Amari Cooper and Jacoby Brissett had last year when they were constantly communicating. And Deshaun talked about that today. He talked about how they're always talking. They're always talking about, what are you seeing out there? What do you need me to do? How are we going to do it? And they sat together on the bench uh, during, you know, when the defense was on the field at times, they're really starting to get to know each other and get in that groove. And Amari's healthy. You can tell that he's, uh, now he's not 100% healthy. He's got a little bit of a groin injury and he shook off a little bit of a shoulder injury this week. Uh, But he's better than he was last year when he had the core muscle injury and really was in a tremendous amount of pain. So I think these guys together are dynamite. And it's really coming along, and it's been a sight to behold. Ashley, you were there last week, or not even last week at this point, but Monday, when we were talking to Amari Cooper, and, of course, we were talking talking about the Nick Chubb injury. And I said to Amari, you guys are kind of like kindred spirits, right? Yeah. And he looked at me, he's like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) We had to, like, explain to him what it meant, and then he's like, oh, that's for you guys to figure out. Well, I'm just here to tell you, Amari Cooper and Nick Chubb are like kindred spirits. And Amari's going to kind of be the the new Nick Chubb in a way. He's going to show up. He's going to do his job. He's going to make a bunch of plays. And he's going to get the Coop chance every time he does it here at the stadium. Yeah, it's funny you brought that up because, like, as you were talking, introing him, I'm like, well, Dan's going to come to me. I'm going to make the point <laughs> that, like, he's basically like Nick Chubb personality-wise. So it makes it easier to overlook him, I guess. But... Yeah, you know, I think, like, it's kind of like I already touched on it a little bit, but it's the fact that, like, I think it's good for him to have this kind of game. Like, I don't think Amari Cooper was, like, doubting himself necessarily, but, like, it had been a while since he had a game like this and, like, wasn't hobbling, basically, to even get on the field because that core muscle affected him, like Mary Kay said, for so much of last season and the end of last season. And this is only his second year here, so... I think it's really important that, you know, they find that connection still. Like, as much as we've talked about Elijah Moore, like, there's Amari Cooper is still the number one receiver on this team. And Elijah Moore is easy to talk about this offseason because so much new was coming with him with his different kind of skill set. But I think today, again, you see that Amari Cooper, even on that call where he didn't step out of bounds, there's not many guys, I think, who would have that 
awareness, like even that body awareness to not step out of bounds there. Like he really does have some of the best feet is one of the best route runners in the NFL. And I think if he can kind of fight through these little nagging, you know, tweaks that he's had recently, um, this was a good start to what you want to see from him and Deshaun Watson. And Mary Kay, I think, I mean, you know, there's a, it just feels like Amari was one of the guys who was really excited to get on the field with Deshaun. Whenever we talked to him last year, I mean, nothing against Jacoby or anybody else, but he really, really wanted to see what things could be like with Deshaun. Oh, absolutely, 100%. And I remember talking to him after the Kansas City preseason game, and he said, I've never had a quarterback that can deliver the ball to me like this. He knows what this can look like. And that's why, you know, I really did think it was just ridiculous uh, to listen to all the criticism of Deshaun last week so early in the season when nobody, like I said, they had not all worked together. The offense has not been put together. We never saw one series in preseason where the whole offense was together. And remember, they lost Jack Conklin. Uh, now they've lost Nick Chubb. They've had to do some pivoting, some adjusting. And, um, you know, I, I do think that, uh, you know, Amari sees what the possibilities are here. And they might not really have it together until the middle of the season. The buy is coming so early that it's it's almost too early to really break it all down, rip it apart, and put it all back together, right? Uh, that kind of stuff often doesn't happen until midseason where you can really understand the tendencies. You know what defenses are doing to you. You know what your strengths and weaknesses are. We're looking out there and seeing that teams are playing Elijah Moore really tough. They're getting really physical with him. Uh, and, you know, they're going to have to find a way to get him untracked and more involved, and they will. Um, but... I think um, I think Amari is is really uh, understanding that that this has the potential to be really good. Okay, let's take a break. We'll offer our final thoughts here on the Browns' twenty-seven to three win over the Titans. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock. All right, it is final thoughts time. I've got one. Um, a guy we haven't talked about, but does anybody else have a good one? Okay, Mary Kay, lead us off. You know, final thoughts. I'm going to go with Nick Chubb. This is a player who they dedicated the rest of their season to. And Nick Chubb, uh, when I get around to write, rewriting my game story, I'm going to lead with this. The fact that uh, he met up with Deshaun Watson yesterday and he said, you know, I need this. Go get this for me. Uh, and I just thought that, you know, that that was, you know, such a powerful thing for him to say. He doesn't speak much. But when Nick Chubb tells you to go get that game, <laughs> you're going to go get that game. Right. And so I thought he had a profound impact on this game. These guys, like I said, they dedicated the season to him. He's their inspirational leader. And um, and, you know, I just think that that's going to carry through the season and they're going to make sure uh, that they would do it how Nick would do it. And then the other thing very briefly about that is, you know, there is some thought to maybe he only has a torn MCL 
and that he could be back sooner than anybody may have thought. Uh, but I think we all, we need to just pump the brakes just slightly on that because they have to get in there. They've got to do the surgery. They've got to open up the knee and they have to figure out what the damage is and what the repair is going to be and then decide how long it might take for him to come back. Yeah, regardless, we're not going to see him this season. It's, you know, right. but the hope is maybe you can get him back on the field early in the offseason or, or something like that. But yeah, Nick Chubb also getting a game ball today from Kevin. So uh, that was that was kind of cool. Ashley, did Mary Kay steal yours? No, but do you have one? Because I don't want to steal yours potentially. Well, is it about is it about a, a running back who maybe grew up nearby? <laughs> yeah, uh, that was my backup one, but I have another one I can talk about. But I, I know you wrote about this, so I wanted <laughs> to let you talk about Kareem Hunt. <laughs> okay, well, since we're on the running backs, yeah, I just want to say, like, Kareem Hunt seems happy. Like, he seemed, like, after this game, and I know it's easy to be happy after a win, but, uh, you know, I, I think there were times even after wins last year when he didn't seem like jovial Kareem Hunt. Um, he just... You know, he had requested that trade. He just didn't seem thrilled necessarily with this situation anymore last year. And just hearing him talk today, standing in that scrum, he was laughing. He was joking. Uh, he was being real friendly with us. And I, I, he just seems happy to be back here. And part of that is it took till September 20th for him to find a job. And he even kind of joked about that, like when the Browns lost to the Steelers. He wasn't on the team. He just got a job on Tuesday, is what he said. So I, I think there's some joy there now in that he's back. It's a good situation for him. I think he kind of understands one of those you don't know what you have till it's gone situations maybe. Um, and, man, he looks like he's in shape. Like, he did not look like this last year. This looks like 2020, 2021 Kareem Hunt. And that's that Browns fans should be excited for that because Jerome Ford, I think, is really good. And Kareem Hunt, we know what he can do when he's in shape. So happy Kareem Hunt. That's that's my big thing. You know what? I, I think, I mean, I've been writing that he is down 10 pounds. That's a lot of weight. He's down 10 he pounds. He looks it. He right? looks it, too. He's yes. down 10 pounds from, from last year. And the other thing is when you're unhappy, your legs are heavy. Your arms don't work right. Your brain doesn't work right when you're unhappy. He was not, he did not necessarily want to be here last year, but he also didn't really want to be anywhere else. I mean, he was caught between wanting to go somewhere and wanting to stay where he didn't necessarily feel wanted. Now he feels wanted and needed. And I knew he was going to play like that today where he was going to try to hurdle defenders <laughs> and, you know, and just be that Kareem that is that just play with your hair on fire, inspirational leader of the team. And I think that it's just such a good thing for this team this year. And like, I think the first sign, I think that he was going to kind of have this, you know, I don't want to call it like an emergence, but like he came out there and I think like we said, he looked like kind of like old Kareem Hunt from a few years ago. Um, the fact that he showed up in a Nick Chubb jersey today, <laughs> like I thought that was really cool. And I mean, Kareem and Nick, like even though I think at times last year, Kareem was unhappy. Like, I don't think he ever took that out on Nick or like was jealous of Nick. Like this was not a Jadavian Clowney, Miles Garrett situation. Like I genuinely believe that that's one of his best friends. Um, and I think like, you know, Mary Kay said like to feel wanted and needed, like he talked extensively in that press conference after they signed him about like wanting to do this for Nick. Like, I really believe he believes that and is not like, selfish motivations there and Browns fans are happy to have him back he got a big cheer when he ran on the field for the first time oh his one yard run I actually asked him about it 
after the game. I'm like, that was the loudest I've ever heard, heard anyone cheer for a one-yard <laughs> run, and he kind of laughed about it. So, uh, again, all things are good right now for Kareem Hunt. All right, Ashley, so what's yours? Yeah, mine's just going to be a small note on the defensive side of the ball, but we talked quite a bit about Alex Wright this offseason and him needing to get to the quarterback, and I think it was great that he finally got that first career sack that had been so elusive for him. Um, and I, I talked to him for like six minutes and I'm planning on writing it tomorrow. And it was a great kind of like one-on-one talk. I forgot how much, like why we like Alex so much <laughs> when we talk to him, you know, but really insightful about going through the, you know, scope knee procedure that he had done and getting back from that quickly. And, you know, just kind of relearning his place here. He said he never tried to focus too much on the depth chart, but like, obviously when these other guys came in, he knew he was going to be behind players with more experience and he, I also thought this interesting tidbit that he gave me was that when they brought Zedaria Smith in, Andrew Berry told him, you remind me of how Z looked at the beginning of his career, and we think this guy's going to be really good for you. So he just seemed in really great spirits when I talked to him, and I'm kind of excited to delve into that a little bit more. Yeah, and he's a guy who last year, was he talked a lot about how excited he was to have Miles and JD around at the time. Um, but now, obviously, Miles and Zedarius. That's interesting. Uh, Mary Kay, you had one more, a bonus? Yeah, a little bonus thought. Um, You know, for Browns fans, I figured I would do them a favor on Friday, and I will be the one to make the wrap for (laughs) Miles that he can eat during his press conference because it really seems to have had a tremendous effect on his game. So I will make the wrap on Thursday and bring it in for him on Friday. I did talk to a Browns PR staffer in the locker room, and he said he told Miles that he can eat any rap he wants in any interview as long as he gets three and a half sacks after <laughs> from now on. He's He's got to eat that rap. I need <laughs> yeah. to know what was in that rap because – Whatever it is, it gave him superpowers two days later. So I don't know. Maybe Miles just has superpowers. That's that's probably more what it is. Uh, yeah, big day for Miles. So shirtless Miles eating a wrap at every Friday <laughs> press conference is what we're going to see moving forward. We'll have what he's having. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Orange and Brown Talk. That'll do it for our post-game edition. Browns winners over the Titans. Become a football insider. Subscribe to cleveland.com slash Browns the Blue Banner at the top of the page. Find us on YouTube. Search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube. And uh, on Instagram, search Orange and Brown Talk to find us there. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.